Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. And welcome to the show. I'm joined today by Bronwyn Simons. Bronwyn is an award-winning astrologer, a community builder, an artist, and a passionate and compassionate believer in the power of your soul and your story. As a full-time consulting astrologer, she works one-on-one with clients and has traveled to teach and host retreats in Canada, the U.S., and Europe. She was recently named Most Promising Astrologer by the Organization for Professional Astrology. Bronwyn's vision is to help us connect with the cycles of nature and regain our sense of belonging in the world. She's facilitated women's circles and retreats for over 25 years, and she has been guiding women home to themselves through sacred dance, art, and the wisdom of astrology. She is joining me today to talk about all things astrology, moon signs, and connecting with the cycles of nature. Bronwyn, so nice to meet you. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Yay, it's really great to be here, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Astrology is a massive animal. I know you and I talked about that briefly before I hit record. It is such a, honestly, anytime I've spoken with an astrologer, it's like, are you speaking a different language? It is so big. So today we are going to be narrowing it down a little bit and focusing primarily on moon signs and connecting with the Mm -hmm. cycles of nature. But before we kind of get to that meaty topic, I'd love to hear a little bit about how you first became passionate about astrology. Oh my goodness. Well, I I think this goes, it even goes back to my childhood growing up on the East coast of Canada on the Bay of Fundy which um, you as a Canadian girl might be familiar with. The Bay of Fundy has some of the biggest tides in the world and it's just beautiful, wild nature. And I was raised by an artist and a poet. My father as a poet told me all the Greek myths and taught me the constellations as a child. So I had this really, and I was I was an odd little sort of antisocial child, an only child, and I spent a lot of time alone in nature. So I started this life with that really profound connection with the sky, Mm -hmm. with the moon, and with the very obvious movements of the moon and the tides, and the old stories of Western culture that astrology is based in. And then started to study astrology formally in my late teens, after having my first reading and just being blown away by the fact that this is, this is back in the day and she sent me a cassette tape, right? And that somebody who had never even seen me face to face could know all of these things about me. I was like, I, I want to know how she did that. Yeah. So I started studying. This was back in the late 80s when we had to draw charts by hand and um, worked as a tarot reader and astrologer in my early 20s and then embarked on this whole other career of art. And then at menopause, as I entered into wise womanhood, came back to that original career. And um, just in time for this beautiful renaissance of the sacred art of astrology that we're experiencing now. 
It's so cool. And one of the things I do want to ask you is sort of about free will and what place that has in astrology, especially when we're talking about how, you know, sometimes astrology can be so scarily accurate. So before we kind of get into that conversation, as I mentioned off the top, I really do feel it's as though speaking a different language when you talk about astrology. Now for me, I guess I always have associated astrology with being sun signs. And then, you know, I do Mm -hmm. think about the moons and things like that, but it's a lot more than that, right? There are rising signs and houses. And uh, we were talking about the tech earlier because I've moved somewhere and you said, well, that's Mercury. It's like, okay, so there's (laughs) planets. So (laughs) what exactly does astrology encompass? And can you kind of even summarize something like that in layman's terms when it's such a grandiose conversation? So cultures around the world have watched the sky and not only created stories about what we saw in the sky, and I'm talking about the movement of the sun and moon, the movement of the visible planets, the movement of all of that against the backdrop of the stars and constellations. So we've made myth about this as as a human family, and we have watched the relationship between these movements in the sky and what we're experiencing here on Earth. So this beautiful sacred science really of western astrology and that's what i practice western astrology that um has its roots in the um the near east and egypt and two three thousand years ago and then is also based in the greek myths that so much of our um western culture is based in but many cultures have astrologies um we observe (laughs) and have been observing, so think of this continuous art for 3,000 years, observing the movement of the planets and relating that to not only human personalities based on the birth chart, but the movement of um, events in our human world. Mm -hmm. So to bring it back to what you were asking about, fate versus free will, which is an important question at the center of this sacred art form. Um, Think about this long tradition of watching the sky, relating what we see in the sky to what we're experiencing here on earth as individuals and also as a human family. And it comes down to this idea of causation. Is it that we are here under these planets and these planets are beaming down some kind of energy and causing things to happen here on earth? That's not how I choose to look at it. Mm-hmm. What I think is actually happening is we are mirroring each other. The entire cosmos is creating or experiencing one type of energy and then another through time. This is why tea leaves can work. This is why planets can work. This is why tarot cards can work. This is why we can throw sticks and bones and read those. We can read the natural world because the natural world mirrors us back to ourselves because we are all embedded in the same energy, not because there's big godlike causative forces out there separate from from us, but because we are all resonating with the same energy. And the art of seeing that energy outside of ourselves is the art of the oracle, right? Right. And goosebumps. We can, yeah. And So it's a beautiful mirror. The sky is a beautiful mirror of our own experiences, these earth-based experiences. And we are lucky enough to have this continuous tradition 
where astrologers have been observing, feeling, and keeping records in the Western tradition for 3,000 years. Just recently, there have been many new translations of ancient astrological documents, which has really helped us out as astrologers to learn about the roots of our, of our sacred science. Um, but what it boils down to is that reflection, as above, so below. What I see in the sky is mirroring what I'm feeling within. So instead of feeling disempowered and as if we're these tiny beings that are at the mercy of these strange energies, it's quite the opposite. It's that this, this sacred science allows us to open ourselves to the, the sky as a great mirror of our own experiences. Mm. So it isn't either or, fate or free will. It's, um, it's that mirroring. But then when we're talking about natal astrology, which is the picture of the sky that we come in under and how that creates a mandala of our soul's path, we, there is an element of some some pieces of our life being laid out for us and some things that we can see advan in advance. Astrology wouldn't work as a predictive art form unless some things were visible beforehand, uh, fated, so to speak. But the point of power is always in this present moment. So I like to draw the analogy to the genetic code, right? It's a code that we come in with. And certain things are going to be what they are, the color of our eyes, um, you know, so many things that are dictated by that code. We come in with a certain astrological code and our, our sun gives us a certain kind of shining presence. Our moon speaks to our emotionality, etc. But the choices that we make in every moment dictate which parts of that code are going to be activated and are going to play out in our lives. So it's not fate or free will, it's fate and free will. It's how we choose to use in the ever powerful present moment, that beautiful sacred code that we've come in with. So, so it's kind of like you have come into the world with a bunch of tools in your toolkit. Which yes. tools do you choose to wield? That's up to you. Yes. And then it you know, is. la 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 la, then and the fairy how? tale unfurls. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I loved? And you... how beautiful to have, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, how beautiful to have, I could listen to you talk all day. Oh, I was just going to say how beautiful to have um, the ability to see what that whole toolkit is as we embark on our lives or at any given moment in our lives, because that's what astrology can do is show us what are the hidden gifts or what are the things that we're not seeing that are available to us to use. Mm. So it's so interesting because when you were speaking about the planets essentially mirroring back to us what we have going on, I mean, I remember I heard years and years ago somebody say to me, Oh, I'm I feel like the world today. And it was sort of like a gloomy, rainy day. And I remember thinking, wow, that was such a profound statement. And and I remember I've used that previously, you know, or, or since then, you know, where maybe it's it's rainy and it's foggy. And then for whatever reason, I'm more melancholy than usual. And, you know, I kind of mimic that yeah. and go, I feel like the world feels today. And, you know, obviously yeah. the world in the area that I am. So I guess I was just kind of wondering if we could touch on that just for one more moment, because I always thought that, you know, I might be reacting to the way the world is feeling, but do you think it's an exchange of energy and, and we're kind of reacting, you know, both ways? Yes. 
Hmm. Yeah. So a collaboration with the universe. I, I think I yeah. really do think that it is. And that's another piece of that choice and empowerment in the moment. How are we going to respond to yeah. that energy? And yeah, that's so beautiful because I do, that's just the way I live my life. I do feel mm -hmm. that I am in conversation all the time with those natural cycles and receiving and giving. Um, I think we, when we go really deeply into astrology, the whole, we're looking at the whole world this way. So this idea of the environment reflecting and the rest of the human family reflecting how I'm feeling becomes a really natural worldview for those of us that are, that are deeply into this yeah, study. Yeah. But, and that's one of the things that I love is how much that enhances our sense of belonging, especially with so many elements of the contemporary world and the way we live and culture today, um, seemingly almost designed to separate us from that. Although I don't, I don't think they really are. It's not like a malevolent force, but no, but it does seem like that. I mean, but, when you talk about the present moment, you know, like when that, you right? look at Eckhart Tolle's teachings, I mean, when you yeah. take a moment to become aware, I mean, we, we're just, we default to thinking about the past or thinking about the future. We very often yeah. rarely are where we are, which is here in the now. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I know it's not like necessarily malevolent force, malevolent force, but it's, you know, I think it's been conditioned to in us to always maybe aspire yeah. or look for something else outside of what this moment is bringing, which what you're saying based on what I'm understanding is that this moment, no matter where you are, is a moment of clarity. And it's a moment of, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a reflection on where you are at this particular moment in your life, that everything around you, when you're talking about oracles and you know, and the like is giving you an opportunity to go, wait a minute, this is where I am, what I'm bringing in. And this is a chance for me to keep with that direction or, or pivot. Yeah. And, and we're not alone. We, we belong here in, in this world, in this moment. And the connection that we can feel when we begin to engage both with the present moment, as you say, which we are conditioned not to, but also with the beautiful mirror of the natural world can just return us to a sense of belonging and connectedness that is simple. The simplicity of just, you know, being under the, the, the darkness of the new moon as we are now, you on one side of the world and myself on the other, we're all cradled in this energy of newness that comes with the new moon. And all of us under the light of the full moon when that comes around. And it's connectedness not only with other beings in our human family, but with, with, the, with the natural world herself. So, Well, we are going to get into the conversation of, um, you know, moon signs, but that's going to be a little bit later in the show. I do want to ask you, I guess, a little bit about what astrology can tell us. We did talk about the toolkit analogy that we do come here. We've got a, a bag full of tools or a box full of tools. And essentially, it's about looking at all the tools that are available for you, as you said. And I guess in the same question, I am curious to know whether or not in your experience, astrologers are also intuits or empaths, because when I'm speaking to you, you do seem to be speaking from a different kind of perspective. You're not just necessarily looking at it from, you know, maybe the, 
I guess the kind of the numbers aspect of it, you do yeah. seem to be bringing a little bit more to the work that you do. So is that just you Bronwyn, or do you find that that's kind of a theme for astrologers in general? It, it's such a good question. And um, there are so many different approaches. So it's definitely possible to be a really excellent astrologer without being a psychic or an intuitive or an empath. You can work with, like I keep calling it, it's a sacred science. You can work with the sacred science and the numbers and the information that the sky is giving you and give accurate predictions and give accurate um, help and mirroring and reflection to, to clients. But that's so, the, and there are, are many wonderful astrologers who are working from that basis. And I think that that's where we need to begin. It's one of those things where it's so helpful to be grounded in, in the mm. science of it, in the numbers of it. In like the foundation the, is the set. discipline. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But absolutely, I am, um, and always have been, I, psychic really um psychic intuitive as well as being quite empathic my moon is in cancer i do resonate with other people's emotions um very receptive to that and i think it's one of the it's it's one of the gifts that i bring in the consultation space is that um creating a sense of safety and emotional resonance it's not necessary to have that to be a good reader but it is it is something that i bring as well as uh the ability to see <laughs> that's part of it yeah for me it is but not not necessarily for all astrologers and not necessarily for all good astrologers there's lots of ways to be a good astrologer mm. is astrology in a way sometimes your own interpretation or is there a really literal way of reading something so for example if i was an astrologer with um maybe i didn't have any psychic awareness or any you know empathic tendencies or whatever. And then I, I was sitting in a room with you and we read the same person's chart. Are we going to mm -hmm. interpret it in two different ways? Or is it because we have a similar foundation? Are we going to read the same, the same way? Um, so it's an art of synthesis. So we will have the same information and many of the same interpretations, mm -hmm. but the job of the astrologer is to synthesize, to synthesize and interpret. Right. So yes and no, because we are individuals and we have different styles and different approaches, yeah. we are going to highlight different things within a chart, but right. we're working with the same vocabulary. Like you were saying at the beginning, it seems like a language. Well, it is, it's a symbolic language and it's a very rich and deep one. And it takes many years of developing expertise and just learning information to become a master astrologer. So two astrologers in the same room with the same chart are going to agree on most, if not all of the information available in the chart, but how, what to bring forward at what time and how to synthesize and speak about that information is going to vary with the individual. And this is another thing is like the, the chart is so complex that you can't, can't possibly like you sit with a good astrologer for an hour, you're not going to learn everything about your chart. You're going to learn a tiny percentage of the information that's available. Again, right. I'll draw that analogy to the genetic code. There is so much richness and so much information. This is an, a, a holograph of you, your life, your temperament, 
and your life path and the timing of it. So it's a huge document, the astrological chart. So that would be the other difference with two astrologers. Same information available to them, but highlighting different things. When you're talking about the genetic code, are you kind of talking about, you know, um, how we were made up based on our, our lineage and then the time we were born and all that? Or is the genetic code a little bit more than that? Okay, so I'm, I'm purely using that as, a, as an analogy, of something that we are familiar with thinking of. Um, right. At, as a point of comparison to how to think about the astrological chart. Right. Because okay. it's a code that we come in with. And it's one that takes a lot of skill to interpret. And it's one that plays out over a whole lifetime, has many layers of complexity, and certain parts of it are open for our own um, tinkering and certain parts are, are what they are. So right. not um, saying that they're related, but saying that one is a, is a good analogy for another. We can think of the astrological chart being like the, the soul code, right? Okay. So if we were going to look at it in terms of a metaphor, just to try to break it down a little bit, if I imagine maybe a yeah. mountainous valley and I was walking yeah. along the valley and there were multiple paths for me to follow, I might choose one particular path, but I still need to navigate the same mountains and the same through, landscape. Yeah. The same landscape. Exactly. So is that kind of the how landscape, you sort of, the weather, the, all of that is, right. like, it is what it is. <laughs> right. you're, you're walking and hiking on that day. It's either raining or the sun is shining. The right. path is rocky or it's muddy or it's paved. <laughs> you're um, so much better at this. Keep on. <laughs> yeah. Gemini ascendant. I just like, my brain just makes metaphors. That's what I do. I um, and so much of astrology is about that. Um, but yeah, with the choices, and, and again, it's not the choice, just, just, just the choice of which path, but the choice of how to walk that path and how well have I prepared myself to walk that path? And right. am I, you know, there's, there's so many choices in any given moment. And the same applies when we're talking about what we're given in terms of the soul code and the choices that we make around it. I, I don't want to give people the impression that astrology is something that dictates what will be in our lives. It's so important to realize that you, you always do have that choice in the moment, but, mm. <laughs> but some things are what they are. Yeah, exactly. So I guess when I try to think about some of the information that, you know, you would help people to unravel about themselves, you know, I guess yeah. I've always kind of focus a little bit more on sun signs because that's something that's been more accessible to me as a, as somebody who doesn't study this sort of stuff. So I know that as an Aries, yeah. you know, I'm kind of headstrong. I like jump into things, you know, so maybe it's an opportunity for me to, to kind of go, okay, well, maybe I need to work on being a little bit more patient, for example. So mm -hmm. do you sort of help people to navigate their strengths and their weaknesses within the information that you glean? And then from there, then like you said, fate can come into it based on what they choose to do with that information. Because for me, making a fast decision is going to lead me down one road, whereas if I sleep on it, yeah. it's going to maybe lead me down another road. But on the other hand, as an Aries, when you make a fast decision, that's being true to your nature in some yes. ways. So it, it might be the best decision. <laughs> I can say that I try to sleep on it, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. I'm, I, I'm, my sun sign is Taurus. I have four planets in Taurus. So okay. we are all about the slow decisions. Right. Um, 
So some of it is like some of what I offer is just mirroring back to you what's beautiful about what you came in with. I think there's this we can get into this mindset of constant self-improvement and like as an Aries, what do I need to do differently to be less Aries when maybe right. it's about how do I embrace my Aries nature and make the most of it? Right. And when are the times that I can make those quick decisions and be really on point? And how can I support myself to be really strong when I do that? Like how can I be the best Aries that I can possibly be instead of trying to be more Taurus when I'm actually an Aries? Yeah, that is so good. Cause that's something that I was talking to somebody the other day. I was like, we don't need to be good at everything. Sometimes when we, yeah. when we are clear on our strengths, we should develop our strengths. We can just hire exactly. someone else to do our weaknesses. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess when you're working with your clients, they kind of come into mm -hmm. you, they, you find out where they were born, the time they were born, the mm -hmm. date they were born. And then essentially you're kind of given this huge kind of, like you said, a hologram or a blueprint of, yeah. you know, their life. And then from there, what kind of information do you then choose to mm -hmm. communicate to them? Kind of like you were saying, I mean, in an hour session, for example, it'd be pretty hard to tell somebody yeah. about their entire life in just that time. So what do you kind of focus on the strengths and empowerment? So of course, some of that will depend on what's happening in the life right now. What are you coming in with? What, what do you want from sitting in consultation with me? But also the natal chart is never changing, right? It's the snapshot of the moment that you were born, but the sky itself is always changing. Right. So as astrologers, we look not only at the natal chart, but we look at the natal chart in comparison to the transits of the day, which is the picture of the sky as it exists today. And that gives me information about which parts of your natal chart are being triggered in this moment. What does the universe have in mind for you? What is waking up and being activated? So it's all there. I, I don't need to think about which parts to highlight because the universe is doing that work for me. Um, there may be a particular planet that is working on a, a part of your chart that's, that's um, really prominent, like for you with your sun in Aries. Right now we're having a new moon in Aries today. And if, if you were born later in Aries season, that's, this is a powerful new beginning time for you. So that's just a really simple example. But the, right. the planets are always in conversation as they move through the sky. They are in conversation with the planets in your natal chart. And this is really what it's all about, is tracking those big and small cycles of your life. So when you come in, I can look at the chart of the moment and see, oh, you're at this point in, in your 12-year Jupiter cycle, and you're at this point in your 28-year Saturn cycle. And right now, this month, the new moon is landing on your sun. So, and all of that has meaning in this time, again, bringing it back to that idea of the present moment. Right. So that's how I know what to talk about. And right. that's, it always will resonate with what you're feeling. And it's why people can say, oh my goodness, how did you know that's exactly how I'm feeling? Or that's exactly where I'm at with that project? Or this is, yeah, this is what's happening in my life. Not just from looking at the natal chart, but from looking at that conversation. Right. And because everything with the planets and the, and the moon and everything, all the cycles are in constant flow, then that yes. would mean that my reading from you today is going to be completely different from my reading from you next month because the influences yes. are different. They're, they're kind of 
I guess, shining the light on different things at that time yeah. based on the influences. Interesting. And some cycles move really slowly depending on the speed of that planet, right? If we go back to grade school and remember, like, remember that a year on Saturn is actually 28 Earth years and, um, you know, the outer planets move more slowly, the inner planets move more quickly, and all of that is reflected in the astrology. And all of that is reflected in the cycles of our own lives. So each planet kind of has its own sphere of influence over our lives. And, and we, can, we can learn about our cycles and how we exist in cyclical time by looking at the movement of each of them. And yes, it's always changing, but um, some cycles evolve more slowly and some more quickly. So mm. it's about orienting yourself within that framework of cyclical time, which again is kind of a, a mental and emotional leap because our culture teaches us to think of time as linear and to often to denigrate ourselves if we're, if we're seeing ourselves come back to the same point, but it's very, very natural. This is how the natural world works. This is how natural time right. works. This is how our inner developmental cycles work. We go around and around and we revisit the same places again with different choices, different perspectives. So astrology has the ability to show you exactly where you are in any given developmental cycle in your life at any given moment. So really powerful tool, really powerful tool. So interesting. And when you were speaking there, I do want to just bring this up for a moment because you did sort of touch on it. Saturn return is actually a perfect example of a cycle. Would you say the 28 year cycle? Can you touch on that Yes. for just a moment? Cause I've actually, yeah. um, I know I made some major changes when I was 28. And sometimes when I talk yeah. to people in their late twenties, I go, how old are you? Yeah. <laughs> all it's can, and it can happen. People. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a, the classic one. So to know that each planet does that, right? Each planet All takes right. us on a trip and returns us to the same place. So we have a Jupiter return every 12 years, a lunar return every month, solar return, hello, it's our birthday. Every year we have a solar return. Right. But one that I think has become part of the vernacular is the Saturn return. We all know about it, even if we don't know much about astrology. Yeah. And Saturn is so important for the structures of our lives. So this is the realm of Saturn. Saturn grows us up. Saturn is about maturity. Saturn is about our work in the world and the hard work that we do to put on our big girl or big boy pants and grow ourselves up. That's Saturn. That's the job of Saturn mm. is to create structure, to crystallize things, to manifest things and to grow us up. It's the job of his friend Jupiter, our other teacher planet, to open things up and to give gifts to us and to expand our lives and to have that luck and beauty that can just grow us through wisdom but the, and the two together create our growth but we're talking about saturn that cycle of growth is one that i think it's become part of the popular imagination because it's so easy to relate to and even think about the seven year cycles right um we think about that in terms of our marriages right the the the, the choice points that we hit at seven years and 14 years those are all based on a saturn cycle and the different points in the journey of a Saturn cycle. So think of it as the journey of growing ourselves up. And we come to the end of that first Saturn cycle, sometime between 28 and 30. It's gonna be a little bit different for each person, just because of the vagaries of the, the science of planetary transits. But 
Yes, the Saturn return, and we get to do it again. I'm I'm doing it right now at age 56, yes. having a second Saturn return. And those are the times for a life review. And, you know, for some people, a Saturn return is going to be a time of upheaval. As you said, it's actually a pretty common experience for that first Saturn return in our 20s, mm. because whatever maturity we've kind of put on the back burner, Saturn comes and says, okay, you got to finish up that work now. I've, like now. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to do that. But it's also a time of reward. So depending on, have you been doing your work? Have you been taking responsibility? All those kind of unfun, but so important for our life, Saturn things, mm -hmm. being mature, taking responsibility, creating the structures in our lives. It's not a system of rewards and punishment. It's a beautiful system of um, repeated opportunity. That's how I like to think of it. So Saturn comes along and says, okay, we're almost done with our cycle. So what haven't we done yet? Let's do it now. And that's why it can feel like a lot of intensity. But right. the other half of it is that we do get the rewards of everything that we've created over the last 28 years. So a lot of times that first Saturn return at 28 to 30 can be like, wow, okay, these are the ways I have to grow up now and I have to do it now. For myself, I, I had my daughter at 28. That grows you up really fast to give birth. Yeah. Um, and then usually by the time we get to be my age and you're heading into your second Saturn return, you've kind of in some ways mastered the art of responsibility and you're likely to reap more rewards from that Saturn return. So the gift of Saturn, although it doesn't always feel really <laughs> soft and yummy, the gift of Saturn is it creates safety and structure and the ability to manifest things. So I think when we look back on our Saturn returns, we're like, yeah, that was a really challenging time, but it helped me to create these life structures that support me now. Yeah, it's interesting because you were talking about have going through your Saturn return at 56. I mean, that's where a lot of people have their midlife crisis. Do you think it's because they yeah. maybe sort of ignored their initial Saturn return or because they're wanting to manifest something new or maybe they've been, um, yeah. they're being forced to look at their mortality in a different way? I, I think it's all of that. And there's some other transits that happen in our late 50s, but that second Saturn return, and it can happen anytime between 56 and 60. It depends on you and your chart. Um, but yeah, it's a time of reckoning. So it can be a time of reaping rewards and feeling greater security, or it can be a time, and I work with a lot of clients in this age group, um, women especially, and I see it's very common to, to think, okay, these are the structures I've built over the last 30 years, but now I wanna build something new. And that is Saturn sort of tying a bow around everything that we've built and saying, let's get on and create something new. It's a common time for career change, right? Because we're wrapping up those structures of that whole middle of our lives and wanting to begin anew and learn new things, right? Start over with beginner's mind because we're at the beginning of that Saturn cycle. Yeah. And that's the gift of cyclical time, right? We get to do it again and again. That's so beautiful. With well, Saturn, we get to do it again and again and again. But with the moon, we get to do it like <laughs> all the time. so many times. All right. Well, let's get into the conversation about the moon. So I know a big part of our focus today was going to be talking about moon signs. So we all know what a sun sign is, but what is a moon yeah. sign? Okay. It's a great question. And um, so every planet, so we've been talking about your beautiful chart and the sky when you were born, 
when you're born, each planet, not only the sun, but each planet is in a particular sign. Sun, moon, Jupiter, Saturn, Mars, Venus, Mercury, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, each of them occupies a particular zodiacal sign when you're born. And those placements say something about you. And sun sign astrology has been popularized over the last hundred years or so. Mm. But throughout the history of astrology, it hasn't been the main thing. The sun is just, albeit important, but just one of your many planetary placements. Right. I think a lot of people feel like, oh, they, maybe they don't really relate to their sun sign. They're, maybe they're a Scorpio, but they don't feel like a Scorpio. They feel more like a Libra. Or, um, and it's important to know that that's just one of multiple placements. And depending on even where the sun sits in your chart, you may or may not relate really strongly to that. The sun sign is about how we want to shine in the world and kind of not so much who we are personality wise, but what we aspire to and the gift that we have to give to the world and what our ideals are about. Our shining self is how I like to think of it. Mm. But a sign that I find that resonates even more strongly for people when they learn it is their moon sign which is the sign that the moon is in when you're born. Now the moon, the sun we know changes signs every month. So she, she's in Aries right now, she'll be in Aries, you know, she's there for 30 days as she is in yeah. every other sign. But the moon changes every two and a half days. So she's going through the zodiac really quickly. Wow. So the moon being our closest planetary ally, she's our little satellite, she reflects her beautiful light to us. She's, for many of us, that primal experience of the sky. And we have these childhood memories of the moon and the, she's just this magical presence in our lives. And the place that she occupies in the astrological chart is like that. The moon is our mother. The moon is our, and I mean that both figuratively and literally, right? Often in the chart, she will reflect something about the maternal relationship, but, um, she is also that part of the chart through which we assimilate all of the other planetary energies. So we really feel her in our heart. She is a, our emotional expression. How we need to be nurtured is reflected in our moon sign. How we like to nurture others. How we express and receive emotion. Um, and she speaks to our early experiences and how those experiences have shaped us. Just think of the cratered face of the moon. She's She's bearing those um, marks of her early impacts and the moon sign within us is the same. She is the face that bears those marks of the impacts of very early life. Wow. So it's powerful psychologically. It's powerful to know about your moon sign. And I like to do this in, in workshops. It's, it's a way to help people to understand themselves emotionally and understand mm -hmm. how they need to be cared for and it's the key to relationship. Like, it's nice to know what somebody's sun sign is, but it's key to know what their moon sign is because then you know how they like to be taken care of. Right. And I how guess the they reason, like to express their emotions. I was going to say yeah. that you're right. The moon is all about the emotional part, but I guess the sun sign is so popular because everyone knows in general the day they were born. Yeah. But but going yeah. into, and that's why it's so, it's like, oh yeah, I was born on this day. This year's sun sign boom, it's easy. But yeah. I have to do a little bit more exploration to really find out what yeah. my moon sign is. But like you said, we're emotional creatures. Yeah. And so 
understanding how we we show up in the world in that way is actually sort of pivotal to how we deal with all relationships and challenges and joys. Yeah. Yeah. So do you know your moon sign, Lauren? I think it's Scorpio. Nice. Yes. So yes. you're a Marsy girl. You have a Mars ruling both your sun and your moon. So okay. if your moon is in Scorpio, this you have, um, so my moon also is in a water sign. And this is kind of, this is an easy way to kind of break it down if you're starting to learn is each of the signs is represented or belongs to a different element, earth or air or fire or water. So both Scorpio and Cancer, which is my moon placement, are water signs. So there is our, our moon, which is already the seat of our emotions, is in that, that emotional, emotional element of water. <laughs> and so we are the sensitive creatures, right? The, the three water signs are the signs that are the moon sign, especially we're, we're the empaths. We're the ones that are the most psychic. We are the ones that, um, I mean, all of us feel each other's emotions with our moon placement, but the water signs are especially susceptible to that. Now the difference yes. between say a cancer moon like myself or a Scorpio moon is for, for me with the cancer moon, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of visible that I'm an empath like like you even said it at the beginning i can kind of tell you're a little bit psychic yeah um scorpio is too but scorpio has that kind of cool reserve on the outside and those depths are sometimes hidden scorpio is um that nocturnal expression right and the the beauty and the mystery of the nighttime and the nocturnal and you know, scorpions, their entire body is like a primitive eye. They are extraordinary, extraordinarily light sensitive. Wow. So this, the Scorpio moon sensitivity is not only like this super emotional sensitivity of cancer, like I know what you need and I want to feed you, which is right. what cancer moon does. But Scorpio moon is like asking all the questions, like, like, like you have been like, okay, but let's dig a little deeper. What is, what does that mean fate? And like really asking the piercing questions. Those are such good Scorpio questions, right? Going really deep, wanting to know what, what is the foundation of this? What are the roots of this? If I dig deep into this and look at the, at the dark foundational pieces, what am I going to learn? Mm. So it's that fascination with psychology and that need to go deep and to understand and have that uh, profound level of understanding how things work, the power structures upon which things are based. Scorpio people are the investigative journalists, they're the um, spies, they're the um, intelligence officers and the, the brilliant writers and um, the surgeons. And it's that desire to explore the hidden depths. Wow. And that's where your sense of connection and emotional empathy comes from. And as far as emotional needs, all the the water moons have that um that need for privacy right so yes. we want to share our emotions and have our emotions be seen but there's also a need for privacy and processing wow like with the cancer moon we want to be accessible to other people's emotions but then this interesting thing happens where our emotions may not be so accessible to them 
And sometimes with a cancer person, it takes you a really long time to figure that out because you're like, no, they're very emotionally available because they're available for your emotions. But then you start to realize, but oh, do I actually know what's going on with them? So yeah, the water, the water signs will be very receptive and have that need for depth and that need for emotional processing, but some of it might need to happen under the surface. Wow. The earth, the earth, the earth children, right? Those of us with um, earth placements and earth moons, uh, Taurus, Capricorn, Virgo, that's going to be a need to do something <laughs> like the, instead of going away and crying or stewing or sitting in a bathtub or investigating it, like the, the, the water people will, <laughs> the earth people need to go for a hike or get some work done, right? Taurus, Taurus Virgo especially, um, or actually all of them, because Capricorn will do that too. Um, if something big comes up that needs to be processed emotionally, they'll go to practicality and work. Well, let's get something done. What can we do about this? Let's find solutions or let's just escape into our work. And now you know from having a fire sun that the fire people um, sometimes are the ones that want to have the conversations right away. Let's get this out in the open and just get it figured out. Let's, yes. let's have a little fight about it and then move on. Yes. Or let's analyze it and move on, right? <laughs> so that's Leo, Sagittarius, and Aries. And of course, there's, there's, there's differences between the three, but the element kind of encompasses all of it. The, the emotions of a fire moon you're, you're going to want to be there. You're going to want to get it out in the open. You're going to want to burn through it and be done. So maybe quick to fight, but quick to forgive is the fire sign thing. Whereas the water ones, it's like maybe doesn't show on the surface, but you're going to remember 17 years later exactly what that person said and how it hurt your feelings. Maybe more cancer than Scorpio, but I think the Scorpios can hang on too. Um, and the air signs are all about analyzing the emotions. So there may appear to be, although there's emotional depth with air. Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking Libra, Gemini, Aquarius. Um, there's a need, air, do, air is the mind. Air does the analytical stuff. Yeah. So there's a need with those lunar placements to um, figure it out, to do the research, <laughs> to um, know the details and to try to find solutions in that way. So we're, each of us, you know, these very human impulses, but showing up in different ways of let's get the work done, earth. Let's really feel our way through this water. Let's get it out and get it done, fire. And let's figure it out and analyze it, air. And of course, yeah. we all have all the elements represented in our charts, but I think that people really will relate to that. The element of their moon will really speak to something basic in their the nature of their emotional expression mm -hmm. well yeah. a big part of emotional expressions are our relationships right because we're dealing with people all the time and so we're very often having yeah. an emotional response to them so how would people yeah. find their moon sign do they have to go to an astrologer like you or would they be able to navigate that on their own you can totally navigate this on your own um there's the, the three, sort of the big three are sun, moon, and rising. Good to know about yourself. The sun, the shining self, the moon, the emotional self, the rising sign is a sign that is, it's literally rising. It's on the horizon at the moment that you were born and speaks to how you meet the world, mm -hmm. kind of your outer personality and how you begin things. And any of your basic 
astrology apps. Oh my goodness, we live in such an amazing world now where you don't have to go to an astrologer to figure out your moon sign. Um, but you should although, still go to Bronwyn. That's you should. I was just going to thank you. Because <laughs> no one's going to analyze you it. You can like get that information. Mission. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but just to get that basic information, you can... I don't even have a particular app that I recommend. Although um, if you go to astro.com, it's sort of a, it's an old clumsy interface, but it's absolutely the most accurate, um, ephemeris, the most accurate information, astro.com and plug in your birth information under free horoscopes. And it'll tell you your sun, moon rising, and it'll give you a nice copy of your chart, which will look like if, I mean, if you're new to astrology, you'll look at your chart and you'll be like, what on earth is that? It's, it is another language. Yeah, and that and that's when you want to book in with your friendly neighborhood astrologer or somebody like me to yes. to help you to sort through it. But yeah, you can easily access your moon sign, astro.com or any of the other free chart. Um, staying away maybe from like downloading the twenty dollar analysis of the chart, but just get the free information, and then when you yeah. feel ready, go go and see a see a real live astrologer to get it analyzed. Yeah, exactly. Well, we are already up at the hour. I, um, I love speaking with you, Bronwyn. You are such an amazing speaker. Um, are you a writer as well? Do you have a book or anything out? Not yet. Not um, yet. I am sort of a natural writer. Like I said, my dad was a poet. It sort of, it comes to me naturally, but, um, but no, not yet. Although it's in the works for the next year or so. Thanks for asking. Thank you for that compliment. It means a lot. Um, you ask wonderful questions. It's just so fun to be able to talk about this sacred science that I love so much and have such um, piercing and uh, intelligent questions to answer about it. Oh, wow. Thank so I really, you so really much. enjoyed this conversation a lot. Me too. That being said, though, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to mention? And also, how can people get a hold of you? Because I know there's going to be people wanting to find out how they can get their own <laughs> reading and your interpretation. Yeah, yeah great. Um, I think we covered a lot of territory. There's always yeah. more to say about astrology, yeah. but I, I think that I feel really good about what we covered today as far as that goes. Me too. Um, I spent a lot of time on Instagram. I'm at moon.wisdom on there. If you're an Instagram person, you can also just find me on my website, bronwynsimons.com. Um, maybe you'll you'll drop a link for people yeah. who might not I'll know put how a to link spell to all my that. name. Um, and I have, a, I have a fun private Facebook group that's, if if you're on Facebook, you can look up Moon Wisdom with Bronwyn. And that's a private group where I, I do a lot of lives and there's a lot of activity in there. They're like-minded people. It's a fun place to connect. So those would be the places to start. And I am booking into late May at this point, And I would love to see your listeners in the consultation space. So that would be just yes. great. Yeah. Do you have a podcast as well? I do. It's called the Venus Rises Astrology Podcast, and it's going through some growing pains right now because I've temporarily lost my wonderful co-host. But yeah, that's the astrology of the week. And I have a new feature on there where um, if you send me your birth information, I may, may possibly choose your chart for a little mini analysis at the end of the podcast. But that's every week. It comes out Sunday nights and gives you kind of your astrology guide to the energy of the week. Oh, Venus perfect. rises. You can search it on um, wherever you find your podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bronwyn. I know I learned a lot and I know our listener at home did too. So oh, thank good. you so much. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much.
Hi, thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.